G'day, g'day, welcome or welcome back to the Create and Drive podcast. My name is Jess Van Den. This is episode 375 of the show. And today I have for you an interview with the awesome LL Divins. Uh, I was actually on his show a little while ago, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes because we had a great conversation on there. Talked a lot about Etsy and about succeeding with an online handmade business. He and I have quite similar stories. You know, we both had full-time businesses and we started our handmade businesses on the side and uh, we go into that in today's episode and he talks about how he managed to grow his business a few years as a side hustle before taking it full-time. And he also works with makers much like I do, helping specifically Etsy sellers uh, succeed with their Etsy shop. So we do talk a lot about Etsy uh, specifically in today's podcast and, uh, you know, what he has done to succeed, what he sees other successful sellers doing and what I see successful sellers doing to succeed and some of the mistakes that we see newbies uh, make over and over again. So we cover a lot of that in the episode today. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with him. We have a great time, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we dive into that, I just want to give you a little heads up as to what's happening over in the Thriver Circle. As you probably know, if you've been around here for a while, I don't run ads on this podcast. I am solely reliant on the support of you, my listeners, to enable this podcast to keep going. Uh, if you can't afford a financial contribution, no worries. The best thing you can do is leave me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or over on my Facebook page, Create and Thrive Facebook page. So other people hopefully will be encouraged to listen. And of course, you can share the show. That would be amazing if you enjoy an episode. Share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram stories, wherever. Just tell other makers about it so that hopefully they can benefit from what I'm sharing in this podcast as well. And of course, if you want to learn more from me, the best thing to do is come on over and become a member of the Thriver Circle, my membership community and educational hub for makers. We have monthly live workshops, monthly live calls and chats where you can work directly with me. And of course, also you'll gain access to my Your Year to Thrive course, which is a year-long course. You get one lesson a week for 52 weeks. And the idea behind that is to help you start and grow a thriving and profitable handmade business. You can check all of that out over at thrivercircle.com. And later this week, we have the latest live workshop. It is how to create a short and simple business plan. And then next month, I am running a workshop on how to reduce stress and relax, because I think that's a really important thing to do at the end of the year. So I'm going to be covering some science behind stress and how we can get out of that red zone of stress and into the green zone of relaxation, especially you know, during that holiday period and after perhaps the rush, you know, the, the handmade business rush that has been November and December. So if you want to join me for either of those, just become a member of the circle. And uh, if you miss them live, of course, they're recorded and you can watch them back at your leisure and learn at the time that suits you best. Thank you so much to all the members of the circle for supporting me and supporting the podcast and being part of our community. I couldn't do this without you. All right. Let's get on with the show, shall we? Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. 
So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. So, I'm here today with LL Divins. Welcome to the show, mate. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to finally get a chance to be on your show. Yeah, I was actually on your show recently. So, we were like, hey, let's have you on mine. So, it's exciting to have another conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. We had an awesome conversation the first time. So, let's, you know, why not do it a, a second time, kind of see <laughs> yeah. what, what we can dive into and, uh, you know, talk about and go down the rabbit hole and just uh, you know, have, have fun talking about Etsy and handmade yes. and all that, all that good stuff. Definitely. I'll put, um, for those listening, I'll put a link to LL's uh, episode in the show notes. So you can go listen to that as well and get a double dose of us if you enjoy this awesome. conversation today. Uh, so you have a, a kind of a similar story to mine in a way in that you kind of started selling on Etsy. You had a full-time job and then not only do you still sell on Etsy, but you also like me help makers succeed. So can you just give us a little bit of a history of how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So probably like a lot of your listeners, I know, uh, you know, a lot, just a lot of, um, you know, creators in general, you know, you always kind of, you start off on the path, right? Where you're, you're, you go to school, you maybe go to college, you get that, you get that job, you know, working for quote unquote, the man. And that's kind of what you're supposed to do. But, and that's what I did. And I just always in the back of my mind, I always wanted to have my own business someday. And I, always dabbled in different things throughout the years. I tried pretty much tried it all. And I just was always trying to find my place. Cause I, you know, I, I had a good job, you know, I worked for, you know, uh, in the corporate world and did that whole thing for many years. And I just really wanted to have my own uh, business where I can control it, you know, grow it as much as I wanted to grow it, deal with my own issues. Um, so that was always the end goal. I just really wasn't sure how to bring that about. Um, so in 2000, you know, I sold, you know, on different places, different platforms, such as like eBay and did reselling and different things like that. Um, but I really wanted to start, you know, a clothing company. You know, I was, I, I enjoyed coming up with creative designs and, and I taught myself Photoshop and taught myself, how, you know, how to use uh, those different platforms. So I decided to do a clothing company and I found, um, I sold on Etsy for or eBay for a while, but then I found Etsy. Um, I think I found it. No, I know I found it because I was searching for a piece of jewelry for my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, and that was however many years ago, <laughs> it's 2000, I think, 2013, 2014. Um, so I was like, what is this? You know, what is this Etsy thing? You know, mm -hmm. is it uh, is it legitimate? I remember that's the first thing because I never heard about it. Before. I was like, is this Etsy legitimate? Because I never heard about it. it sounds kind of weird. What's an Etsy? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I found that and then I was like, well, I'm going to try to sell on there. You know, it's for handmade uh people that create stuff so i i remember i put up my you know first uh, couple listings and i think it took me i don't know a month or two to because i wasn't i was like does this thing even work you know mm -hmm. and so i i finally got my first sale i was like it works this thing is not it's it is real you know people are gonna <laughs> actually buy something so i was like i was like i'm in business now and uh, so I started taking it a little bit more seriously because I didn't really have a whole lot of stuff on there. Started taking it a little bit more serious, and I, you know, over time I just started to add more products, add more listings. But even still, I started out very, very slow. It wasn't my primary. I was still working full time. It wasn't my mm -hmm. primary, um, you know, revenue driver even as a side hustle. Uh, so it was real slow probably the first, um, honestly, probably the first like two or three years. And then, um, 
then it started, I started to take it a little bit more serious. I was like, you know what? I can probably, I'm spending very little time on this. I could probably grow this thing. It's an easier platform to use than eBay. You know, eBay was kind of, the sales were dipping on there. Uh, and I really, I just wanted to kind of grow and like I said, have my own business, control it. I liked using the platform. I liked Etsy. So I started to dive in, kind of really be a student of Etsy and learn, you know, what are the people in my niche doing? You know, what are the, what are the top sellers doing? You know, what, what am I, you know, what is SEO? What, you know, I didn't even have tags on a lot of my stuff. You know, my pictures right. were garbage, you know? So I just started to be a student and really devote a lot more time um, to the platform, you know, and just being, you know, finding out what worked, what didn't work, did a lot more testing and was able to start to slowly grow it. And then probably, um, you know, year, I think it was like year four, things really started to take off. Uh, and I started to make a substantial amount of money on Etsy. I was like, wow, you know, this is what's happening uh, when I'm doing it part-time, you know, when I'm mm. doing it after work during lunch breaks and what could happen if I could do this full time. So that's when I started taking it a lot more serious. And that became my goal then to replace my income in corporate America and actually do Etsy full time. So the next couple of years, that's exactly what I did. I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, before work, after work, during, not, not during work, <laughs> during lunch breaks. <laughs> Maybe a little bit during work. Don't tell yeah, anyone, yeah. but um, <laughs> at least thinking about it, you know, it kind of takes yeah. over your mind. You're like, yeah, I can do this. Uh, and then uh, that became my goal. And once, and then I was able to replace my, my income and a, a little bit of a buffer. And then I decided to walk, a, walk away from corporate America in 2018 was when, when I was mm -hmm. able to, to do that. Uh, so it, you know, five, well, I started at 2014. So it was about five years uh, of doing it when I was, uh, you know, set myself up enough to kind of walk away from corporate America. And I've been doing it full-time ever since. And, and then kind of the, the coat, I just kind of fell into the, the helping others and doing the mm. coaching. I did a lot of that, you know, in my corporate job, you know, I was a director. I did a lot of trainings, a lot of presentations, a lot of coaching. So I kind of felt uh, at home with doing that, that types of stuff. And I had, you know, family and friends and people asking me, you know, what am, what am I doing? How am I doing this? Uh, asking me for tips. And I was like, I could, I could help other people mm. do this. You know, I could give them the support. I could give them the motivation. I can give them tips, you know, strategies, and just be able to help other people do the same thing that I was able to do because it is really, it's just about freedom. You know, the money is, nice to have the stability to replace, uh, you know, to be able to, to live decently and not have to worry about it. But it's really about the freedom of time. It's not like I work uh, necessarily less. Sometimes I work less, sometimes less I work more, but I have the freedom over that. You know, if I want to sleep into 10, you know, work <laughs> till seven, I can, if I want to take off, I can, I don't have to get permission. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are the kind of perks that I think People, what people really want when they want to have their own business, they don't want to be you know, tied into a set schedule or have to work a certain amount of hours. Um, so that's kind of how it evolved over time. It, you know, it was always kind of my dream, but it was dabbling in so many different things throughout the years and just changing my mindset and my commitment to uh, you know, my craft. It was able to kind of you know, evolve into what it is now. And I still do it full time. Um, 
so it's it's a little bit hard with you know running two businesses and not chasing <laughs> shiny objects and all that stuff oh, trying yeah. to figure out what am I going to work on you know designing today you know I, I still <laughs> print my own stuff because I do my uh, own you know graphic tees and uh, clothing so it's a little bit of a a balancing balancing act too but that was a long-winded version of <laughs> kind of what you asked me there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get you, you know, running two businesses. Yep, totally. Um, but also what you're saying about, you know, having that freedom, the time freedom. Um, I read this article just yesterday. I think I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about this concept of being a time millionaire instead of a money millionaire. That like for some people having time is more important than having a lot of money. And I certainly resonate with that. It sounds like you do as well. Absolutely. It's, it's the only, yeah. it's the most valuable resource. I mean, the only really non-renewable resource that we have, right? It really, it's so, so time is so important. And um, so any, any chance that you can save time and not trade time for, for dollars is so important, I, I mm. think. For sure. Okay. So it's funny that you said that thing about like learning from the top Etsy sellers. Um, way back when in when i began back in 2008 i think it was around 2010 i actually got this idea for an ebook and what i did was i contacted a whole bunch of the top sellers on etsy and i'm like can i interview you um because i want to write this ebook uh, about you know what it takes to succeed on etsy and heaps of them were happy to be interviewed and uh, that was really exciting because i i wrote that ebook and sold that for a long time but i also of course was you know a seller myself so i learned a lot from those really top sellers, you know, I was doing okay, but I was nowhere near the, you know, earning a hundred thousand dollars a year sort of level or even more that people were at that stage. So I think we should talk about that because obviously, you know, times have changed. Uh, Etsy has changed a lot over the years. And so if you do want to remain successful in the platform, there are kind of core things that have always been important. Um, and there are things that have, you know, changed over time. I, like, I remember when you used to be able to leave reviews for buyers. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who wish we could that still was, do that. <laughs> I think that was even before me. I don't yeah. even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they took that away a long time ago. But like, you know, the star seller system, I mean, we could talk about that, but we won't because we'd be here all day. Um, yeah, things like that that come and go. But Things like that don't really matter in the in the long run, right? They're, they're just kind of gimmicks or flashes in the pan. What really matters is those core things that you do every day um, and at the beginning of setting up your shop. So let's dive into some of those things that the really top sellers, they do <clears throat> the things that they do really, really well and what's kind of sets them apart from the people who just struggle, struggle, struggle and never seem to quite get anywhere. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that's super smart by contacting the top sellers. I didn't do, I didn't take it to that level. So <laughs> that's pretty genius. I there wish was a I lot less I wish back then. made my life a lot easier then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sitting here behind the scenes trying to, you know, analyze and figure out and look at people on a daily basis, seeing what they're doing. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think probably for me, and this is, I know this is probably different for, you know, a lot of top sellers may or may may not agree because you know there's many different ways uh, to do this business and mm. a business in general and find success. Uh, but to me, you know, I think a lot of people when they start, they get you know super focused on 
the plat, you know, super focused on Etsy, super focused on the platform, on the keywords, the analytics, and not that that stuff's not important, but I think you have to strip that all away. And really when think about why you're starting your business, I think it's really the foundational stuff is what I think is really important because the foundational stuff is what you're going to come back to uh, when things aren't going well, when you're going to struggle, which you most definitely will. Um, 99.9% of people will struggle. It's not a you know, flash in the pan success overnight type of thing. Mm. So, and what I mean by the foundational stuff is finding you really coming into the business with a solid why. Uh, why do you want to have your own business in the first place? You know, is it just to only make money? Of course, we all want to make money. Uh, you know, that's why we start a business that is important, <laughs> but it can't, you know, it can't be the only reason. Mm. And like we talked about earlier, maybe it's for the freedom, you know, maybe it's to, you know, have more control, you know, over your life and, and what you're doing. Um, you know, maybe you want to be able to take you know, an extra vacation a year, or you want to be able to, you know, have your part car payment taken care of. Um, but I think the why is really important, uh, Maybe you just want to start a business so you can uh, hand something down to your children, you know, have a legacy, uh, something that, that, uh, you know, represents, you know, you and, and is a piece of, um, you know, your belief system, what you, what you're passionate about. So I think the why is really important because I think if you're just, I want to start a business to make money and I'm just going to throw whatever out there. And then it's going to get old super, super fast. Um, if you don't sell anything, you're like, ah, this doesn't work. And you're just not going to stick with it. So I think that's really important is, is really kind of writing it down or just thinking through that, you know, why are you, why are you wanting to do this? Because uh, that will, that's the thing that you're going to, when things get tough, you're going to pull back in, you know, deep back inside. And you're like, okay, this is tough, but this is why I want to do this. This is the end goal. Maybe you do want to do it full time one, one day. So I'm going to keep going because I really want to have my own business and do it full time. So yeah, I think that's I, really important. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And I, I talk about that a lot and, uh, you know, it may sound a little frou-frou or whatever, but it's, it really is. I think it really is important. Um, cause that at the end of the day, will keep you on track. I think, mm-hmm. I, I believe, uh, and I think the number two thing kind of foundational thing is, you know, your vision for, uh, your, your brand and your vision. And that kind of is directly related to your why, but it is where do you see your business going? And it, it's going to change over time. I think you, as you, as you dive in and you, uh, the longer you do it, you're going to pivot and, and change some things. But I think you have to ha- at least lay out that pathway uh, of, your, of your, your company and kind of where you see it going. Where do you envision it in the future? Because um, that'll help you create the products, the product line, um, and put the piece together, you know, your brand, your business and set you up for that success down the road. I mean, if you don't have, if you're like, oh, I want to sell, uh, I think I want to sell a picture and then um, maybe I'll try to sell a bracelet and then, uh, you know, I'll sell, I'll throw a shelf in there and I don't know what I'm going to sell in 10 years. I don't even really, my brand, I don't even know what it represents. Uh, I don't know what it stands for. It's just, like, I don't really care that much about it. You know, those type of things 
I, I don't think that's going to be a viable long-term business plan for you. And I guess it's kind of, I guess you can kind of, it's part of a business plan more or less, but so I think if you can kind of lay that out and it's like, oh, I want to start, I, you know, I want to start a, a jewelry line, but I really want to, you know, focus on, you know, an, uh, I really want to focus on uh, bracelets uh, with gemstones that, that represent, uh, you know, important milestones or important, uh, you know, birthdays and, and kind of evolve that down the road. And then you have different accessories that you can add to it and complement it maybe with, uh, you know, a necklace line, different, bad example. I don't know why I used, why did I use your niche for that example? <laughs> You're actually talking a bit like Pandora, you know, like Pandora <laughs> bracelets is what it reminds me of. Like, but that's perfect. Like that you think Pandora and you think, Oh, it's the bracelets that you collect charms on. Like yeah. that's the brand, right? Yeah. I guess I use, I, so I use jewelry a lot in my, in my examples because, you know, in, in Etsy and in general, a lot of the sellers are women. So I want to be able to relate. Uh, you know, if I talked about super manly stuff, no one would be able to relate to me. Um, but I guess, so talking kind of a better example related to my brand, uh, Living Limitless Clothing, I started that because I want you know, I believe that anything's possible. I wanted to start it to inspire others. That was the main mm. goal, whether that's through, uh, you know, inspirational quotes, working out different things like that. That's how I envision my company. So I, I first started uh, selling motivational type clothing and workout type clothing. And then over time, I was like living, you know, limitless, living limitless. Is, that is more about just you know, living your life, how you want to live it, uh, embracing what you love in life and, and being able to wear what you love. And I, and I wanted to represent what I love, which was, uh, you know, having fun, which was you know, vacation, which was, um, dogs, of course, you know, two <laughs> Pekingese, which are the family. Uh, so I started incorporating those aspects into it. You know, I did a whole new dog line. And it was pretty successful, but it still fit into my brand because it was something mm. that I loved and I uh, wanted to encompass. So I just, that's part of like how I started, but then I evolved it over time to add um, different aspects into my vision and uh, the brand itself, if that makes sense. So that's a better yeah, example. Yeah. That's probably what I should have led with. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. And I think you hit on a few really important points there, you know, having a strong why, because things will get hard and you need something deeper to motivate you. Uh, fi figuring out what your definition of success is. I talk about this a lot. Like I think for me, part of, part of why running my own business works so well for me is because I don't have the same, I don't have this sort of standard society definition of success, at least not what it was when I was younger. It seems to be more acceptable now to be, you know, an entrepreneur, to do your own thing. It's definitely become more accessible with the internet. It's definitely become something people understand more. Like when I started my jewelry business and went even 10 years ago and went full time, people were just like, you're doing what? <laughs> you're selling jewelry on the internet? How is, how can you make a living out of that? That's crazy. Um, but now it's becoming, oh, you, oh, you sell on Etsy, you know, you, you have a handmade business it's it's much more normalized now which is fantastic but this idea of you know what success to you like I don't I, you know I have a nice house and a nice car and all those things but they aren't motivating to me in the way that 
I want freedom to do what I want with my time when I want to do it. And I want to be in charge of my life and I want to be the boss and, you know, all those sorts of things. And I think if you dig down and figure out what those things are, um, I talk about them in the, in a way of saying they're like your core values, like what are your core values for your life? And so what are your core values for your business? And if you know those core values, it makes decision making so much easier because you're not just second guessing yourself all the time. You're like, when something comes up, you can say, okay, does this align with my core values? Yes or no. And then it becomes much easier to decide the direction for your life and your business and to say no to opportunities that perhaps aren't the right opportunities and say yes to the ones that are and so on and so forth. So I think that is something that is so important that people skip over a lot of the time because they just like me and you were like, oh, I'll just start selling some stuff. You know, you you don't, you don't think about the big picture, the big things, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm making some stuff. I might as well put it up online and see if anybody buys it. And then things start happening. You're like, oh, this could be something. <laughs> and that's the point where you have to take a step back and go, well, what do I want it to be? Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, and then it, it starts moving. You're like, man, I should have thought this through a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Little bit <laughs> but that's, you know, that's part of the journey. And I guess it that's is. one of the nice things about, you know, and that's what I wanted to start helping others and just try to give back because I know, you know, the struggle, the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Um, we still deal with the struggle. It's just not quite as much of a struggle, but mm-hmm. you, you know, your own business is uh, definitely a different animal for sure, but it's, it can be a very pleasant animal. Uh, <laughs> but it, early on when you're just trying to figure things out and you're alone and you're just not sure what, what to do or where, what to focus on. Um, so yeah, that's, I think, yeah, I like the core values. I mean, that is, uh, I think that's so important to being able to hone in on those and relate what you're doing in your business to your core values. And, um, not only that, I think just being able to, <laughs> be more efficient with your time too. Mm. So you're not focusing on the wrong things because I, I still do this sometimes. And, Mm. you know, I know in our, you know, with Etsy sellers and handmade people are super creative, have a thousand ideas. (laughs) And I think it's so easy to be like, okay, I'm selling jewelry, but I'm really good at art. Mm. So I'm just going to, even though things are starting to go well and starting, I'm getting momentum and jewelry. I'm going to start an art shop and you just completely like put this to the side and you just start focusing on this other thing. And it's just, you're, you're just delaying, you know, what you could be doing on this side. Just, and not to say that that can't be beneficial down the road, but I think early on in your journey, uh, I think it's important to kind of focus on the, on the one thing um, before you get to the, to the next thing, which is really hard to do for, oh, for so creative hard. people. <laughs> <laughs> so hard to not get distracted by that shiny object syndrome. <laughs> it, is. it is. And and I, you know, I've seen people sabotage themselves in the past too, where they're like, oh, I'm sick of making this thing, even though it's my bestseller. So I'm just going to get rid of it. And I'm like, you could, <laughs> but you know, is this your, like, if it's just a hobby, fine, you know, but if this is your livelihood, you got to start thinking like a business person. You can't just be you know, doing things on a whim anymore. You really do have to start thinking, okay, well, sure, I might be a little bit sick of this, but my customers are loving it and it brings me a lot of income. So maybe Mm -hmm. I should just stick with it until I I can replace it. (laughs) I had someone that um, that I was talking to and they they do, uh, I forget what they were selling. It was some, it was some, 
it was some type of knickknack, <laughs> but uh, anyways, they, they were doing everything. Uh, they were, all their stuff was original mm. and they, they were, they were like, man, I don't have, you know, I'm running out of uh, materials. You know, I have all these products listed. Uh, I don't have really enough to uh, make, or I don't have any more ideas to make any more original ideas, but people keep emailing me about this one item uh, or messaging me about this one item that sold out. But I don't, I'd like to do everything original. I was like, no, if they want, if they want the thing that sold out, I was like, just make it again. I was like, you can make it again. Right. And they're like, yeah. I was like, just make the thing again. Keep selling it. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, I, I can understand you want some originality, but mm. it's, it's okay to reproduce stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's so it's, and they're like, oh yeah, I guess I could, I could do that. But some things are just not, you got to take an outside look. Sometimes it's just not as obvious. You're like, Oh, you know, I do that all the time. I do something. It's, it's really stupid. And then someone else is like, why'd you do it like that? I'm like, I have no idea. I thought it was, I thought it was the right thing, but now I can see what that was the wrong thing. <laughs> well, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Don't you? That's, mm -hmm. that's the thing, isn't it? So especially at the beginning, like I look back and think, look, see, I made so many mistakes because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Yeah. And that's why we do what we do, right? Because we want to help people get past that more quickly. It's like, don't make all these mistakes that we've made and that we've seen other people make. Like, let's learn from the people who've gone before us. Uh, yeah. And so, and there's nothing wrong with having a mix. Like people are like, oh, well, can I sell, you know, reproducible stuff and original one of a kind? And I'm like, yeah, actually, that's a really good thing because you can sell your reproducible stuff at a lower cost, you know, and then you're not a low cost, but like, a good cost but then your original stuff you can sell heaps more expensive because it's a one-off so you know there's there's definitely benefits to that as well so there's all sorts of different models business models that you could be working with and uh, it's important to think about the different ways you could be doing things yeah definitely i and it's the th the really the the key is it's at the end of the day it, maybe it'll work maybe it won't but it definitely won't work if you don't try it mm -hmm. and so you can do your due diligence and try to make the best decision possible. But a lot of people, I think, just get stuck in their tracks and they don't do the thing. So then the next step never happens or the next goal never happens because they, they didn't just, you know, put it out there and kind of see. And I see that a lot, um, especially with people that want to start, you know, even start a shop. They're mm. just so scared to put their stuff out there. Um, and they, you know, they, they are so excited to get started and to, create their products but then when it comes to just pressing that open button they're like scared they're like what if no one likes it what if what if no one wants to buy it yeah well they're not gonna buy it if you don't put it out there and chances are they're not gonna buy it right away anyways that's just yeah. the way that it is <laughs> but because uh, it, it's i think it's easy to get a little uh diluted as far as what your expectations are now to um just with you know, the, oh, you hear a lot about the overnight successes and the, the influencers and that type of thing too. So I think that's why it's important to talk, kind of revert the whole way back to the, your mindset and stuff like that, that I like to touch on first with people, because you, you have to have the right expectations, not only as far as your, your, uh, your why and, and that stuff, but expectations as far as, uh, you know, how long is it going to take to find mm -hmm success and you know it's not gonna be necessarily overnight yes sure some people it, it will be you know which is which is great but that's just not the case for most people and you have to be mm. ready for that commitment and ready for the you know in it for the long haul because mm -hmm. uh, that's really what it takes and that's why it's nice to be able to 
if you can start it on the side as a side hustle to get those basically getting it in the reps, like the, the old uh, sports lingo, <laughs> yeah, put in the reps, yeah. um, you know, to get better at, at what you're doing and learn and be able to, uh, to use that to your advantage down the road. Hey, do you want to start or overhaul your Etsy shop? If so, I have a freebie for you. It is my free Etsy quick start guide, and it's just a two page checklist that will help you to make sure that you don't miss any important steps when you're starting or overhauling your Etsy shop. Don't make these common Etsy mistakes. Make sure your Etsy shop is the best that it can be. It's also packed full of links and additional resources on all aspects. Yeah, the metaphor I like, I like you to can use get it now like by heading over a tree to grantthrive.com forward slash Etsy guide. You have to plant it and water it and fertilize it and give it the seasons to grow. And But you can't neglect it either. And if you start neglecting it, then it will get stunted and it won't, it just won't grow to its full potential. So that's another, you know, just think about all those, those potential uh, metaphors, I guess. It's all about being in it for the long haul, as you said, and just giving it the time and the attention it needs. Um, I guess if we had kids, maybe we'd think about, you know, raising children as well. You know, you, you've got to, you've got to teach them and, and give them time to grow. But um, I wish my cats learnt things better than, you know, <laughs> it'd be great if I could teach them things. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I would love to just teach my dogs not to bark during uh, podcasts. <laughs> usually yeah. they're good usually they're good but sometimes they just uh they just do their thing i'm like oh my god hopefully you can't hopefully you can't hear this they're good they're good right now so we'll just i'll keep my fingers crossed yeah i have one cat that meows like a siren when he's annoyed oh my so god. my husband he's like my husband's very good when i do podcasts he's in his office staying quiet and then teddy will come up the hallway like and Nick will like quietly open the door and get the cat in and shut the door. <laughs> He's well trained to keep them quiet. But yeah, it's quite funny. Well, my uh, my one Pekingese has, I know we're going down, a, we're getting off track, but this is fine. Everyone, <laughs> the listeners are going to love this. Uh, my one Pekingese, he, I think it's an anxiety thing because I've seen on Instagram other Pekingese do this, but mm -hmm. he, if we're like in the next room, sometimes he'll just start screaming and it's not a bark. Oh, yeah. It's not a cry. It's a high pitched sounding i don't even know what to compare it to it is kind of frightening when you first hear it so now i have to warn people like when they come over i'm like if you hear this scream out of nowhere it's it's my dog he's he's an anxiety thing so don't get freaked out thinking i have a child like trapped somewhere and then like sometimes and then sometimes i'll leave, I'll leave to go wherever and don't do it and i'll hear it in my driveway and i'm like oh my god my neighbors probably think I have someone locked up because it is so, <laughs> it's so loud. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. So, uh. Podcaster problems, animal, animal owner uh, problems. They're great. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're great. They were definitely worth the interruptions. Uh, okay. So let's get back on track and talk Etsy specifically. What are some of the like top things that people need to focus on if they want to succeed on Etsy? So... The, the biggest thing, 
Well, two two biggest things in my opinion. I mean, the the biggest is SEO, of course. Everyone talks about SEO, but I think really everyone gets freaked out. You know, that's search engine optimization. That's how people find your shop specifically, and usually that's related to the keywords that you're using in your listing. Uh, but really, even taking even a step back from that, it's understanding your audience and who is buying your products, mm. which will help you with your SEO. Uh, so I think a lot of people forget that and they just try to, they apply, they try to play the game when it comes to SEO. It's like, okay, let's just try to find the, the best performing keywords and, and all that stuff, which is important. But if you're not using the best keywords for you and for your listings, then it's really not going to help. You it could actually end up hurting you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those things that just takes time because you will start to learn what keywords not only uh, are good for your listings, but the ones that perform, you know, best for your listings within your, your niche. And then you'll also learn, you know, even more keywords to use and to try, but that's just one of those things. It's just, it really just doesn't happen overnight. You have to be in it, you know, for a while. It's the same for me. I couldn't take over someone's shop, even though all I know, and as many years as I've been doing this, I couldn't just immediately take over someone's shop and change, uh, you know, create a successful shop overnight. I would have to do it just like I did my own shop, learn their niche, learn their who's coming coming to their shop, who's who's their ideal customer, who's buying their stuff. And I think that will uh, you know help you create better keywords uh, mm-hmm. to be able to succeed. And that just takes time. It comes with keyword research. It comes with learning what the algorithm's doing but not getting obsessed with what the algorithm is doing because people are just so obsessed with the algorithm. It's just going to change every day regardless. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, you just have to continue to focus on what you can control and just find the best keywords to use in your listings. Uh, And then the other stuff that goes along with SEO that maybe a lot of people don't realize, such as, you know, good reviews and having your entire shop filled out being, even though it's not part of the algorithm, I think it is, but being active, I think in your shop mm-hmm. and being uh, Etsy, is, it doesn't list that specifically, but I think that definitely helps being an active participant, uh, you know, in your shop and uh, adding stuff and changing stuff around, just keeping your shop fresh. It's not only good for, for Etsy, it's good for your customers too, just to come to a, a fresh shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's really important. Uh, is the SEO stuff. And then, you know, of course, I think that pictures is the other main thing uh, is just having those quality pictures. And that's something that I really messed up. I mean, my pictures were dumpster fire when I first started because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? Yes, and uh, <laughs> it's just, you go back and you're like, what was I thinking? And again, it's just, you got to put in the reps with your pictures. Mm-hmm. No one starts off day one, picking up their camera and, or most people, I mean, there's some people that, that do, uh, but picking up your camera and getting the lighting right and just everything pops and it looks great. And I think they're just so vital to SEO will get you in front of your audience. Your pictures will get you to click, get them to Mm -hmm. click and come to you. So it's kind of the next, the next step of getting them to your listing, getting them in your shop. But I think those two things are, are really probably the most vital in my opinion. Um, when it comes down to the Etsy, Etsy stuff. So I'm not sure if you agree with that, but that's Mm. kind of what I've found. Yeah. They're like the one, two punch of succeeding on Etsy. Really. You need both of those things. If like, if your goal 
is to, especially if your goal is to uh, find your customers on Etsy, like if your goal is to bring people in who are already on the Etsy platform, then those are definitely the main things you need to focus on. If you're more focused on bringing customers from outside, they're still important, but not as important. So like <clears throat> someone like me, I focus or in the past, uh, things have changed recently, <laughs> but I focus mostly on uh, new customers because most of what we sell are one off pieces. You know, we sell wedding rings. Hopefully people aren't buying them more than once uh, unless, <laughs> unless they lose them, which happens more than you think. Um, and then, so my focus was always like, okay, well, I want to, I want to bring new people into my shop. So I'm focusing on getting Etsy customers who are there to find a specific thing. They're there to find a wedding ring. I'm getting them to focus, come and find me. Right. Whereas if you have a, a business that's more focused on getting repeat customers and that's, then there are maybe other things you want to focus on, like maybe building up a social media presence, building up a mailing list, those sorts of things that can connect you to someone and then bring them back over and over again. So they are different business models, but it's never going to hurt you to work hard on your SEO and your photos. They're always going to be things that are going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And yeah, it's, I think that that is an important distinction too, because when you're looking, you know, if you're looking at your competitors or you're looking at people in your niche and their, their titles and their tags are not great and they have a ton of sales, like what the, what the heck? And this is why I always tell people, I'm like, you can't, you have to take that with a grain of salt. You can see kind of what they're doing and, mm -hmm. and, you can glean a little bit from that, but you don't know that what you're seeing is the top of the iceberg. You're not seeing what's going on below that iceberg. You're not mm -hmm. seeing how much money they're putting outside of Etsy to ads or even inside Etsy to mm -hmm. ads. Uh, you're not seeing what they're doing as far as uh, social media, social media ads, uh, advertising, different things like that. Uh, so that is, while it is a decent indicator, it's not the end all be all. And they could be doing a lot of things focusing on outside of Etsy traffic and just sending people there too. So yeah. I think that is a, a really important distinction between the, between the two and two different models for sure. Yeah. And so we, you know, you've got the, the Etsy SEO, you've got the photography. Are there any other like little bits and pieces that people tend to gloss over that perhaps they should be focusing on more? So, <laughs> Outside of that, it comes at the grant at the granular level it is getting prompting them to actually make the purchase with the description as well. I think that's mm -hmm. important. Being able to explain the item, who the item's for, being able to make you know, give all the specifics. How I how I or how I talk about a description is you should be able to answer any question before someone has it in your description. Mm -hmm. Uh, because if people have a question or they don't understand something, uh, they're probably not going to ask you. They're probably just going to look, uh, go to the next uh, seller that has something similar. And in Etsy, the similar listings are right below that listing of mm -hmm. your competitors. So they can <laughs> easily pop over to one of those if something doesn't make sense in your description or even in general, if you have something that doesn't make sense as your variations or your personalization. So you have to make sure everything is clear, super clear, uh, go overboard with communication, I think in your description. So it's not prompting them, uh, to, to click off. Uh, some people will ask you a question and you can use that to your advantage when you do get those questions, 
to make sure that you're putting that information then in your description. So you can learn from that. Cause at the beginning, you don't, you don't, you probably don't know all the questions that you're going to get that mm-hmm. you're going to get asked. So you can put those in your description where it flows. You know, I like to break my description in, into certain sections that make sense. You know, anything that's important to the buyer, washing instructions, specs, uh, materials, you know, all that stuff. And you can also do FAQs in your, uh, in your shop section as well mm. uh, to help. But a lot of people don't bounce over to that. Most people, uh, in my opinion, find you in search. They don't necessarily go to your shop. So I think it's important to address those things in your shop specifically uh, as far as your description goes. So I think that's super important. Uh, outside of that, you know, getting that stuff all online, I think it's just uh, building out your, your shop, making sure all your shop sections are, are filled out because uh, that, that helps you in, as far as SEO goes, but that also helps you as far as showcasing your, yourself as a complete shop. Uh, other, you know, having their logo, your, your banner image and announcement, your about people want to get to know you. That's just a little bit different than Amazon. People want to, they like buying from people that are uh, making the stuff that's not manufactured in huge factories. Uh, so I think that's important to kind of be personable, you know, use that you know, the about section to have people get to know your shop and what kind of what it's all about. Because otherwise, if you don't have, you know, I see a lot of people when they start, they don't have a logo, banner, any of that stuff. It's like going to a, a flea market or a yard sale. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the heck you're going to find. <laughs> it may be good. <laughs> it may be bad. Uh, but if you have that stuff laid out, people know exactly what they're going to get. And it helps set, kind of set the tone for what's to come. So I think yeah. those are kind of important, uh, important factors, too. I would agree. And I'm always suspicious when I get to an Etsy shop and like the about page is blank. I'm like, mm, is this a real seller or is this like a Chinese reseller? You know, like <laughs> I, I'm always like, yeah. Whereas if it's all filled out, I'm like, oh, okay, you're a real person. That's who I want to buy from. Excellent. Um, and yeah, I think the point you made about SEO, I think a lot of people don't realize that actually having like your pro, uh, your pro, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> my brain not work good. <laughs> Your policies and your about section all filled in actually gives you a little bit of boost in search as well. I think because Etsy is trying to prioritize that and saying, okay, we want to prioritize people who've done the work and who are real people who are filled in all these details and and make sure that their stuff shows up um, perhaps above those dodgy people who just quickly set up a shop and then Mm -hmm. before they get shut down. So those are definitely important steps to take. I want to just touch on something you mentioned earlier because this is something I often hear beginners really struggle with and it's this idea of an ideal customer or who your ideal customers are and they often say just like how do i figure that out and how do i know who my ideal customer is going to be and then how do i find them and how do i connect with them like i, I make some stuff i don't really know who wants it like how do i how do i figure that out yeah <clears throat> that that's a little tricky because it takes time to figure out, of course, and your ideal customer may not be who you think it is. Mm. Uh, so I think when you, you have to, A, put your stuff out there for other people to see um, and kind of get the feedback on it. And you're going to get, you're going to get some questions, I'm sure, which are going to help, uh, help you interact with the people that are looking at your stuff. You're going to be able to go into the analytics of the listing and see which keywords are bringing in traffic um, and the keywords maybe you start with aren't bringing any traffic maybe you have to switch out your keywords because that the key what you're focusing on isn't who's looking for your item 
And I think a lot of people make the mistake is, is only using keywords relating to the item, what the item is in opposed to relating to who is looking for the item as well. Mm. Um, so both are important, but uh, you know, that you have to put, you have to target who's looking for the items. Maybe they're purchasing, maybe it's a great gift item for teachers. Uh, maybe it's something that teachers aren't going to buy from themselves, but maybe a lot, a lot of people will buy it for the teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a different, that's a different audience. And sometimes too, there's multiple audiences, the audience, you, maybe you're targeting the right audience, but maybe there's also another art audience that you can uh, target to as well. Um, so it's, it's, there's a lot of different uh, variables and uh, situations where there could be multiple audiences. Uh, and then I, I would say maybe you know, another thing too, is you can look at uh, your competition, kind of see what, you know, what keywords, what audiences they're targeting. Uh, you can probably look at uh, different analytics tools. If you want to get like super into the weeds uh, to see uh, different, different keywords for different listings, uh, different, you know, you could probably use uh, Google AdWords to target or to see uh, what keywords are bringing in certain traffic and then what, who's using, who's buying those keywords, what companies are buying those keywords and targeting those. I mean, that's a little bit deeper and you can go super in the weeds. I don't necessarily like to go that deep. Uh, a lot of times I like to have an audience in mind, try to target that audience and kind of see what traffic is bringing in and then make adjustments, but you have to let it, you have to let it sit for a little bit. You can't mm. keep making changes uh, as far as your keywords because it'll continue to reset and mess up uh, the algorithm. Uh, so that's kind of like, that's how I do it. There's, there's different ways. And, you know, I know see, another thing too, some people may want to do uh, a small fair, you know, or a small uh, pop-up and for, for a craft fair, whatever's local and kind of get feedback that way, because that's a really, I think the struggle with online is you don't get to see your customer face to face. So a lot of it's a little bit of a a guessing game, so to speak. So it's really hard to kind of get that feedback and have Mm. people come and see and touch and, and look at the thing. And it's like, Oh, you know, thanks for buying, you know, who are you buying that for? What do you like about it? You know, get that, that, that kind of instant feedback too could be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Another trick that I suggest is um, if you do have social media, go look at your demographics and your social media analytics and see who is actually interacting with your staff. Like you can see um, gender, you can see age, uh, you can see location. Uh, so some of those things might help you narrow down who it is that you're talking to. I mean, it's still pretty broad, but it, you know, it does. If you think you know your customers like 65 plus women, and you end up saying that it's like 30 plus <laughs> men, you're like, oh, something, something's wrong somewhere along here. Like I, I'm, I'm targeting the wrong people, or I'm thinking it's the the different people. And and yeah, I like, I really like what you said as well about there might be different ones, like. If I look at my shop as a whole, I have three different target markets and then each, you know, each individual product has this particular target audience or ideal customer for that. And that's something that you'll probably only learn over time uh, as you put stuff out there and see who's buying your stuff. Like in my shop, it's like, okay, well, I've got, you know, my earrings, a lot of people, a lot of women collect my earrings. So they're like, you know, usually 25 to 45 uh, age group. And then I've got my wedding rings and then I've got two target uh, market so that I've got uh, men who are buying themselves their wedding ring and then I've got women who are buying their wedding ring and usually they're 
husband to be's wedding ring as well. So you, you kind of get to learn that when you talk to your customers. And that's another really important thing you can do and is actually really start a conversation with your customers and I do this by sending them like I send them a really in-depth thank you message when they buy from me and then I find that probably 75% of people reply to that and actually say you know thank you and then they might tell me the story of why they're buying the product more often than not and that's really really useful market research because then you're like oh okay I'm getting to know who these people are why they're buying from me and you know that can help you when you are figuring out these um, ideal customer avatars as well. Yeah, no, that's, those are all really good things uh, for sure. And it's, I think the, the sending the thank you message is awesome because not, not only can you use it to interact with your customers, you can also use it as from, from like a customer service standpoint. I mean, it's, it goes above and beyond what a lot mm. of companies are doing. Uh, and also you can ask them to make sure that everything they're happy with their order and to leave mm. a five-star review. So if you're a new shop, uh, those reviews are super, super important to, to get five-star reviews as quick as possible because it will help you. Um, so you can use it as kind of multi-faceted approach uh, at the beginning for sure. Yeah, I found it incredibly helpful and I strongly recommend everybody does it because I'm, I'm amazed that so many people don't do it, especially on Etsy. It's like I, I'm here for the personal experience. Like it takes mm -hmm. it takes me literally 30 seconds because I have these all pre-written. It's not like I'm typing out a new message every single time, you know, I'm like copy paste and then change details yeah. and, you know, like and it's genuine, but there's no reason why you can't make your life easier by doing things like that. So those little those little things that you might as a beginner, you probably never thought of. Uh, you know, and you might never realize until somebody tells you like, hey, this is a really mm -hmm. good idea. Try this. And, you know, I definitely, you know, I have heaps more reviews. I have a lot more happy customers. I have people, if people have a problem, they're way more likely to contact me directly than just start a, open a case because they already have a relationship with me. So something as simple as that can help you in so many different ways with your shop. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Those are all, those are all very valid uh, ways to to, uh, to get that information. So mm. lots of different ways to get the information that you need as, <laughs> which, which is good and bad, I guess, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> super, I mean, that's super important when you're trying to figure out uh, early on your direction and your, your brand and your customer as a whole, because it's, it seems simple, but it's not always as simple as it may seem for mm. sure. And there's a lot and if, it, if anything, out. it'll give you different ideas. Mm, yes, definitely. So speaking of, okay, so we're both longtime Etsy sellers. We've been on the platform for a long time. I'm curious at, at this point in your own journey, what is, you know, have you got challenges that you're still facing when it comes to selling on the platform these days? Well, yes, um, there's, there's <laughs> always challenges, but this, uh, you know, of course this, uh, being, uh, 2021 is a whole mm -hmm. different challenge. So it's, it's kind of a different ball game right now. And it's the, the normal challenges aren't the normal challenges because mm -hmm. used to, you, you'd have a couple of uh, products here and there that just weren't doing so well. So you'd have to figure out, am I going to revamp the listing and redo it? Am I revamp the product, re, you know, relaunch it, you know, different adjustments, different tweaks and having a schedule for that and keeping, keeping on track with that. But now, you know, in 2021, we're dealing with, or I know a lot of shops are dealing with um, the you know, supply, supply chain issues, you know, getting different supplies, pricing increases when it comes to that. Uh, so that is, that has definitely been a challenge uh, for me getting different supplies. You know, I do screen printing. So 
all I went to order uh, new supplies this week, actually. And all the stuff that I normally use is some of it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And the rest mm-hmm. of it is sold out. So yeah, you have to use, find different avenues, different suppliers, different companies. Uh, so it, it's good to, it's teaching you to have backups. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause a lot of us get, you know, if you get your stuff wholesale, those, those companies are going to ha- probably have challenges. So you may want to, uh, look at getting a, a backup supplier that sells something comparable uh, as far as uh, your materials go. Um, but that, that is definitely probably the main challenge uh, right now that, I, that I'm facing. Uh, and just a, a lot of sporadic uh, results as far as sales up and down, they're kind of like all over the place, mm-hmm. which is understandable because a lot of uh, you know, a lot of the world is all over the place right now. So there's a lot of, it's not, you can't count on the normal ebbs and flows uh, <laughs> like before the, the different mini seasons uh, with your, in your niche. And cause before things have kind of followed a similar path, yeah. you know, with your, with your shop, you can kind of tell like, okay, July, yeah, it's probably going to dip. Uh, you know, August, it starts picking back up uh, once people go back to school and then of course the holidays, but it just, it's those normal patterns are kind of a little skewed right now. So I think it's just going to take, uh, you know, a little bit of patience. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop working on the things that you, uh, worked on in the past, but, uh, I think it's just important to realize kind of what's going on. And, um, you know, if you have different slow periods and, and different things going on and just reinvest that time into your shop and keep working and keep focusing on what you can control and kind of have some plan B's in place. Uh, last year, you know, the shipping was a little bit of a nightmare too. This year, the same thing could happen to a certain extent, again, with either getting products or sending products out. So make sure that you have your, your schedule in place, your deadlines in place, as far as what you're, what you're thinking about uh, to make sure that you're putting those out ahead of time and being prepared for if something happens. But that's, that's kind of the challenges that I'm seeing uh, mostly right now. Um, so I'm not sure if you're seeing some of the same, some, some of the same type of challenges or not. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously being in the wedding market, <laughs> that, that put a huge dinge in ourselves over the last two years, you know, because people just are postponing their weddings or not getting married and things like that. So uh, we also had shipping challenges in Australia, like Australia Post actually just eliminated the shipping class we used to use which allowed us to do free shipping oh, to the wow. u.s so we can't do free shipping to the u.s anymore so that has definitely and that used to be our biggest market so that's definitely put a, a dent in ourselves as well um here in australia we've had a lot of lockdowns in the southern states over the last few months and that's really affected shipping times you know so they've had a huge a backlog of, of parcels and stuff like that so just being aware you have to I think it's really important running a business. You know, you can't just be aware of what's happening in your business. You have to keep an eye on those larger trends and those larger influences that may impact your business as well. And I think what you said then about this is not normal times is really important, especially for people who are starting businesses now or have started them in the last, you know, 18 months. It's a strange time and and, and it may change, you know, or it will change as the world sort of slowly moves back to, to getting back to normal and to those normal rhythms. You'll, you'll probably see a difference in, you know, what people are buying, how much they're buying online. You know, once they 
especially, you know, as I said, here in Australia where we've had all these lockdowns, people had to shop online because they couldn't go out to the shops. But as they get the freedom to go out and shop in real life again, you know, there'll be mm-hmm. a lot less online shopping because the people will be excited about that. And so all of those changes will happen. And uh, I think it was, you know, I started my business in 2008, which anyone, you know, over the age of 20 or so will probably remember was the global financial crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> And Great time to start the perfect yeah. time to start a business. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was the global financial crisis when I started, did I? <laughs> because we were in the middle of it and we didn't realize what was happening until it had happened. So, um, but it's still, you know, it still started and it still had some traction. And, you know, so don't let that be a, I guess what I'm saying is don't let that stop you. You know, sure, times are weird. Some people have had amazing success over the last two years because they've been in the right niche at the right time and whatever they've sold has been, you know, hugely successful. But, you know, you may find next year that that might change a bit, you know. So you have to be you have to be ready and willing to evolve and pivot. And I think that's a lesson for any business at any time is that you're never you know, you've never figured it all out and you're never done like um, this, the, mm-hmm. your 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 example of you know well my suppliers suddenly i can't get my suppliers anymore you know you're not the first person i've heard who's had that issue and so you have to be you have to be kind of willing and ready to to change things and not get too comfortable i guess which you know when you've been doing it for a while you can definitely get comfortable and a bit um, i'll give you know i can get a bit lazy about things because i'm like oh it's fine you know Uh, it's Mm -hmm. it's always it always works out in the end it's like well i also need to do a bit of work to make sure it works out in the end i can't just sort of rest on my laurels and hope for the best yeah so important you you definitely need uh i mean you can't set it and forget it um Mm. but you can't be looking at it every hour Oh no! On the hour either, because you drive you drive yourself crazy. I see, <laughs> I see people freak out because they're like, "My sales are down from yesterday," and then oh, the, no. the next day is like, "My sales are great," and then the next day, "My sales are bad." I'm like, "You got to take a step back, and probably should look at it on a 30 day basis." You know, yes. like it's just you got to relax. There's going to be uh, peaks and valleys, and this year is especially crazy. But I always say, entrepreneur being signing up to be an entrepreneur, you, you are a problem solver. That is exactly mm. what you do. You will always have to solve problems. So if you're not good at that and you, you don't want to have to constantly deal with change and pivoting, uh, it may not be for you, you know, and that's not a bad thing, but it's, mm. there's always going to be changes and you just can't set up your shop, set it and forget it and just watch, you know, go to the beach and sip tiki drinks and watch your sales go to the moon. It just, unfortunately, just, it's not the way that it works. You have to, you have to be involved. And as you grow it, I think over time, you can step away. You don't have to spend as much time as you do at the beginning, but you still have to spend time in your business for sure. Mm, Definitely. Um, One final sort of fun question about products. Like I think when people think a shop is successful or a business is successful, they think that everything you do is successful. And I just want to, I want to try to break through that a little bit. Like, have you ever launched a product that either hasn't sold or has sold so dismally and you really cannot figure out why? Yeah, I, uh, I actually, it's a relatively new product. So I started, I just launched a product line a couple of months ago and uh, it's focusing uh, solely on, I think it's fun, but people probably think it's stupid. Uh, it's, uh, it's solely focused on, um, nature and like different things like camping and has adventure, like adventures, uh, 
scenes and, and uh, travel scenes and stuff like that. But I hide or I hid a small little like Bigfoot in all the designs. <laughs> and okay. it's just like, so you're buying like, oh, this is a cool like hiking shirt. It has like a nice graphic like patch style. Mm. But there's like a little like Bigfoot in there as like an Easter egg. So and the Bigfoot market's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people did my research and a lot of, and I've always kind of liked it as like the fun, you know, quirky, like little thing. It's not, I don't necessarily believe in Bigfoot, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just, it's kind of like a fun thing. And so I was like, I'm going to do a whole like pro I'm going to call it creature wanderlust. I'm going to do a whole product line and it's lots of sales, um, lots of traffic going to those type of things. And just people aren't digging it right now. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I mean, it hasn't been terribly long, so I'm not I'm not going to chalk it up to a failure yet. Uh, and I kind of maybe I started it a little bit too late, but that it's I'm so I'm like I don't know I don't know what's going on with it because it mm. should be getting more traffic. I just maybe people don't understand it. Um, so it's just it's it's one of those things that uh, you just got to keep you just got to keep testing it. And it's it, it's funny because sometimes you'll put something out there and you're like this is probably not going to do great but it ends up doing great. This is, <laughs> on the other hand, you're like, this is going to kill it. I love this. Everyone's going to love this. And nobody loves it. <laughs> I know. It's so frustrating. And I've had exactly the same experience. Like I've launched products that have like never sold a thing. And I'm like, what the hell? Like this is just, it's like my other stuff. It's, it's in line with my branding. My customers should love it. But for some reason they don't. I've also launched stuff where like it did nothing for the first three to six months. And then suddenly everybody's buying it. You know, yeah, I, I've noticed that happen. too. That's why I don't like to take stuff down until I get a mm. solid year out of it. To be mm. perfectly honest, I like to let it let it go through an entire year just to kind of see. You know, maybe there's some seasonality built in that you don't even know. Mm. I think people think of season at, like seasons as like a holiday or a specific time period, but there I think there's seasons with every niche, and some of them just not uh, you may not be aware of. So you just got to kind of uh, you know maybe there's some secret. Bigfoot holiday. I don't know about. I'm gonna kill it next year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but it's just, it's you know I, I've said this before, but it's eighty twenty. You know this twenty mm-hmm. percent of your stuff is yep. gonna sell the most. So yep. you, if you're not putting enough stuff out there, you're never gonna get that twenty percent that that's gonna help you uh, be successful. And and you don't know. The other thing too, it's kind of that you don't specifically know is maybe someone comes in to look at your thing that's not successful. They're finding you in traffic. They're like, what else is this? What does else this guy have? And then they go and like, oh, I love this and I love that. So you don't know how many of those items people are coming in, bouncing to your shop and buying other stuff from you. You can't really tell that. Uh, so I think that's important too. And you know, even when you have stuff that's not selling great, I wouldn't necessarily always take it down because mm-hmm. it could still be benefiting you. It could still be help filling out your category. Um, and honestly, it doesn't really cost that much to have it up anyways. Um, no. It's not really, it's not really breaking, breaking the bank. So it's, that's kind of how I look at it, at least good or good or bad. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. Like I, I like to have a full shop. Um, you know, I, I did go through a phase I think, I think it was like the fourth or fourth, fifth year I was in business. I'd, I'd gotten to the point where I had like 450 listings <laughs> because I just kept trying new, new things mm-hmm. and then putting them up. And I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to do something about this because my shop is just a mess. And then I like culled two thirds of that. And suddenly I had this beautifully branded product line and I was like, yes, now I'm happy with this. And I've run with that ever since. So 
in that beginning period, don't be afraid to like throw things out there, see what sticks. And then you can always take it away. You can always, you know, do something new. Um, but I kind of going back to what you said much earlier about you'll never know if you don't try, like you have to get past that fear of starting and just put it out there. And I I had a, I had a student yesterday in a a chat or a call and we were talking about, she's like, I've done everything. I've got it already. I just haven't hit the button because I'm like, I have some health issues and that means sometimes I can't work and I'm afraid of letting people down. I'm like, you can always just close your shop for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like if it's not if it's not your livelihood and you, you know you're still in the beginning phases and the side hustle phase it's okay like you can just close it down for a few weeks if you're not well and then open it up again or you know she's like i don't know whether to do digital products or whether to do physical products i'm like well if you have health issues go the digital route because then it, they just send it for you and you don't have to worry about it you know you don't Absolutely. have to worry about production time so don't yeah just put it out there and 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 see what happens and like you said, the eighty twenty rule, don't feel like, oh, you know, I've got these five products out of 25 that are selling over and over again. What am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. It's just, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. If you're selling all, all, if all your products are doing great, then, then I don't know. You, maybe you only have two products because yeah. maybe yeah. you're Apple <laughs> with yeah. like three products. Yeah. That's a good business model. <laughs> yeah. They seem to be doing all right for themselves. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think I should probably let you go. We could probably keep talking for a few more hours, but uh, I know it's the evening where you are. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's been absolutely oh, a pleasure it's, to chat with you again. It's fun as usual. We could we could have a dozen more of these. So we'll have to keep keep this going every every now and again, check in. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> maybe we could maybe we could do something fun together sometime for our for our uh, students. Yeah, it'd be kind Who of knows? fun. Yeah. I'm like um, <laughs> And like a tag team event. Yeah. Like different topics or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All the possibilities. Well, thank you again, Elle, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. As I said at the beginning, um, I will put a link to the episode I did on your show in the show notes. But can you tell people where to find you if they want to learn more from you and, and check yeah. out your uh, shops as well? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you can go to handmadeandbeyond.com. That's the the main um, coaching uh, and Etsy and handmade uh, resource site. So there's some free stuff on there. If you guys want to check it out, uh, that you can get free downloads of different guides and quick start guide and SEO guide and different things like that. Uh, and then if uh, you want to check out my Etsy shop, it's uh, the shop name is living limitless, but it's etsy.com front slash shop front slash front slash living limitless. If I could speak and get those slashes out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to go check out your Bigfoot shirts after this. I'm so curious yeah, to see yeah. what they look if like. I, if I see someone buy one from Australia, <laughs> I don't know what you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, cool, it's, but... it's like Where's Waldo? You know, you go in yes. there and, and find the, the Bigfoot, but no one gets it. No one gets it. I don't know. Whatever. See, I love that about it. Maybe Bigfoot people, they're more about it being really obvious. They're like, I want my Bigfoot to be so obvious that other Bigfoot people will recognize the Bigfoot. And we can like have that, that moment of, you know, communion mm, yeah maybe they're like in your in your face bigfoot people yeah hmm. i don't understand I'm, i mean i like bigfoot but maybe i don't understand myself as far as my niche okay yeah i don't know you're not, you're not in the, ma- I'm a, the I'm mind a, of the bigfoot yeah. people and then i'm not like, people are gonna think i'm a wacko out there looking for a bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> we have we have the bunyips here or the yowies that's like our version oh of bigfoot. 
Yeah, it's funny. It's like a, every culture has their own Bigfoot, Yeti, uh, yep. Domino Snowman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it's just shadows personally, but hey, well, uh, maybe one day we'll find them. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Awesome. I'll catch you next time, mate. All right. Thanks. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this chat with LL Divins. And of course, if you did, make sure to go check out the episode I did on his podcast. Link is in the show notes below. Thank you again for listening, for being here and for trusting me to guide you on your handmade business journey. It's an honor and a privilege. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends and your colleagues. I would love to reach even more makers and help them turn their handmade business dreams into a reality. I'm Jess Van Den. I'll be back soon with another episode of the podcast. Till then, you can catch me over on YouTube where I release weekly videos. That's youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Den. Thanks for listening and bye for now.